It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Which players are the breakout candidates for the 2023 Boston Red Sox? You are Locked On Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. you back into the Locked On Red Sox podcast. Thank you so much for making Locked On Red Sox your first listen of every single day. I'm your host, Jake Anzuski, and today I am joined by a very special guest by the name of Coop Leonard. He is a producer at Odyssey, does work with Baseball Isn't Boring, and also Odyssey as well. So him and I go into the breakout candidates for the Red Sox going into the 2023 season. And this is part one of our conversation. So let's get into the episode. We are here with a very special guest, Coop Leonard. So how are we doing, Coop? Oh, we're chilling. We're doing just fine, Iggy. What's good? Doing good, man. You know, 10 days away or nine days away from when we're going to be dropping this of opening day happening for the Sox. How are you feeling about the team going into the season? Oh boy, that's a loaded question. Um, I will say if we're going to be positive, we're feeling a whole lot better than we were at the winter meetings. Yeah. How's how's that? Or even at the the town hall, I'll even go further. Yeah. So about like Definitely. a month away, things have changed that uh, dramatically. Would you say dramatically or just like I, w- I would I would gradually. say the vibes are much higher. Okay. Okay. I'm I'm with you on that. Um, maybe it's the warm air for the guys down there, or maybe it's actually just getting to watch the product on, on the field and, um, kind of realize that Heim Bloom is getting paid good money for a reason, but yeah, yeah, it's definitely a weird juxtaposition of where we were. I mean, I, I think as well, like you get to sort of get more answers of the questions that you had of some of the guys, like, I mean, Alforo is one that comes to mind, you know, even, you know, now, now that, you know, Whitlock Bayo is back and, and everything like that, like you're starting to sort of like check up those boxes in your mind of like sort of the questions that you had going into spring training, I guess. And I think maybe, and that's to tease, to tease what we're going to be talking about. Um, I think that is kind of like the big issue of what was this offseason. It was there were so many question marks around guys, right? And it wasn't a matter of are these guys is this team bad? It's more of a question of is this team able to cobble together like a 500 like game season, right? Uh, or not 500, but 500 win season. Um, so it's definitely uh, once you finally get to see ball, it, it's always a good feeling. So I think that's also part of it is you're finally getting to hear the hit of the like snap of the bat, snap of the bat, snap of the glove, crack of the bat. What uh, onomatopoeias are we using? (laughs) Well, I I think as well, you know, you get to also see how, you know, the veteran aspect plays into it as well. You know, I mean, you you sort of looked at the ages of the guys that that the Sox were signing. You were like, Oh, you know, how is this really going to drive? How is this really going to, you know, help the team? And I I think, you know, it's more of like the veteran aspect, you know, mentoring some of these younger guys who who are are coming up and try and make an impact. And, you know, one word that, uh, you know, I said a few episodes ago that I think really resonates, you know, with a lot of the players, you know, on this team and sort of, you know, correlates with with the topic that we're going to be speaking about, you know, some of the biggest breakout candidates for this Red Sox team is, you know, pressure. You know, there's a lot of pressure on, on not only the team, Heim Bloom, Alex Cora, but also a lot of these players as well. Do you think there's that much pressure? I think on Alex? so. Yeah. Well, oh, it's tough because I try to push that whole 
headline week that he had um, out the out my brain. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I I feel like he's not as on the hot seat as Heim Bloom. Like I think, oh, I, I think if the agree. yeah, I think if the Red Sox have a last place finish, I think you're more likely to see Heim leave office than Cora right. leave office. Right. Um, I think that's probably part of the. Uh, if anyone's been paying attention to the amount of press that the Red Sox front office has been doing since the town hall, mm-hmm. it's a whole lot more. They're a whole right. lot more accessible because they're cognizant of the fact that they might take a hit on ticket sales this year, mm-hmm. uh, despite saying that their ticket sales are up this year. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like they're now in a place of, fi- I don't want to say financial hurt, but like they are cognizant of, you know, what's going to be hitting their pocketbook for the next year. and. Right. I think a Heim firing, if I, it wouldn't be advised, I'm someone that was upset with Heim in the moment with Xander Bogarts, but mm-hmm. in the long run, I think a Heim bloom firing is, it's a knee jerk reaction. Uh, it, it would feel good in the moment, but it's a knee jerk reaction that wouldn't help the team. And I think even getting rid of Cora it, as a manager, he, he's too valuable to send to, cause he's going to get scooped up by another team. Right. Like that's a fact he's going to have yeah. a job in baseball. So I would rather him have a job in baseball with the Red Sox than a job in baseball with, I don't know, like Baltimore or Toronto. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, you, you know, I feel like that more of that pressure is, you know, j- just on some of these players that need to have a breakout season to show not only that they, you know, belong in the future of the Red Sox, uh, you know, that that they're able to be productive major league players after, you know, maybe some down seasons or so. Um, and I, I think as well that, you know, there's a lot to prove as well. And, you know, starting to get into some of these breakout candidates, one guy that I think has a lot to prove and, and really uh, what he does this season could really, you know, answer the question if he's a part of the Red Sox future, if they should extend him, if they should trade him, is Alex Verdugo. And I, I think, you know, with what not only him coming over, you know, as essentially the centerpiece and, and one of the only guys who looks like who could actually make an impact on this major league roster um, from the Mookie Betts trade. You could say Connor Wong, but you know, who knows what's really going to happen with him. But I, I think especially with semi the down year that we saw from him, you know, more, more trying to, you know, hit balls out of the ballpark rather than get on base, you know, really semi hurt him obviously brought up, uh, you know, so the hurt toe throughout the season and, you know, went into spring training, uh, best shape of his life. But the big question mark is, is how is that really going to correlate to his production in the regular season? Yeah, I mean, everyone's in the best shape of their life. So Red Sox are going to have a Hall of Fame year. Uh, <laughs> That's the hope. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, I the Verdugo thing is really weird. And I feel somewhat bad for him because he's not a bad player, but he's not the player everyone was hoping for in the Mookie Betts thing. And in the moment and for the next year after, every time he got a question of, can you fill Mookie Betts role? And we would hear him say, well, I'm not Mookie Betts. I'm my own player. And that's got to be frustrating as hell as a player because you understand your own limitations. And I would imagine you always want to exceed them if you're Mm -hmm. a professional athlete, but to maybe like exceed your own expectations of what you imagine for the season and then still have everyone in this market still continue to be like, well, it's a failed trade because X, Y, and Z are not right. making the all-star game, which I think is a dumb barometer. Just be like, well, we have three guys. They're not making the all-star game. Mookie Betts has made the all-star game every year. Legitimate yeah. arguments I have heard. And the all-star games, of like it's fan voting. It's popularity. 
if Verdugo can come out and have a batting average that, you know, helps his team, if he's able to have an OPS that, you know, pushes his team from fifth place to fourth place, that's a success in my eyes. Um, and I like the tough thing is all season though, I have been saying it is time to move on from Verdugo. And that's not because I don't want him in Boston. I think the Red Sox are now in this period of we are in a build for a hopefully soon to be World Series. You're not winning that this year. Yeah. That's if they do, if they make the playoffs, awesome, fun. But you're not going to want to be buying all in on this team this year. So why not try and move assets that, like I said, they're good. They're not bad, mm-hmm. but you know that you can get a return from it where you might have a player to develop later. Um, I mean, like it, if it's one thing to be prideful of that trade, if that's what Heimblum's doing and keeping Verdugo, uh, it's another thing to see potential or maybe will potential. I like, I, that's what I'm really curious of why he might still be here because we're starting to get backed up in the outfield. Um, I mean, Kike's not going to be an issue there because he's going to be at shortstop. Right. But you are starting to get a backlog of guys in the outfield who are par. They're not subpar. Mm-hmm. They're not bad. I'm hoping Yoshida Yoshida is going to be one of my names on my list. But I'm hoping Yoshida lives up to expectations. And you know, if he's a better player than Verdugo, why not move on from Verdugo? Because now you know what you can have. And, and you know, I mean, especially the money that that they. Uh, you know, gave to Yoshida the years as well. And, you know, I, I think with Alex, uh, you know, a, a lot of the stuff that we've heard from, you know, the the value of the player, uh, the contract that people are predicting that he could get around like 10 to $14 million. And you really got to like look in the mirror and, and look at the statistics and, and just like the straight, you know, value of it. Is he worth that amount of money? And I, I think, you know, this is the year for him to be able to show that he is, you know, we, we, we love the personality. We love the energy that he brings to the team. You know, he's, he's one of the most lively guys. You know, this is, this is a classic. uh, If I could have nine Alex for Dugos, I would. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But, but like at the same time, you got to get on base, you got to produce, you know, and and, you know, the, the, the defense is also into question a little bit as well. And so, you know, I, I I think for him, you know, this is the time for you to truly show, not only that you're in the best shape of your life right now, but also that you deserve to be part of the future of the Boston Red Sox. It's all about being an asset. I mean, if right. if you can't be an asset here, then I don't know. You're just an ass. <laughs> I, I don't know what to tell you, but it, that it, and you bring up a name that, you know, the WBC, a teammate of Alex Verdugo's Jaron Duran. Mm. I hope you are enjoying my conversation with Coop, but I just want to take a second to talk to you about LinkedIn. So these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. If you want to feel 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available, that's why you got to check out LinkedIn Jobs. They help you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Something that you can actually do is add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring and they also have simple tools like screening questions. It makes it easy for you to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you're going to interview and hire. And that's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires for leading competitors. So make sure to check out LinkedIn Jobs to not only get qualified candidates that you want to talk to, but also faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash MLB. 
That's linkedin.com slash locked on MOB to boost your job for free. Terms and conditions may apply. Now let's get back into my conversation with Coop Leonard. Who I want to come around on him. I still have the bad taste in my mouth from the whole losing the ball in the night sky yeah. ordeal. Yeah. Um, and also just overall production for the way he talked about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like that's my dumb idiot brain at work there. Um, just like focusing on that, but he, he can be a good player. It looks like he bulked up in the off season, which I love. Um, Andrew Benatendi also bulked up in the off season one year and we know how that went, but I'm hoping it's reverse effect. I'm hoping that Duran can come out and be a player that can be trusted in the outfield. I mean, yeah. he's becoming the defensive substitute for team Mexico. That's, who knows? Maybe tomorrow they're going to be in the WC, WBC finals. It'd be fun to see uh, Jaron Duran and Alex Verdugo in the finals. But I also kind of want them to just return to camp at this point and start working mm-hmm. on, you know, stuff that needs to be focused on for the season. Right. But it, like Dar- Jaron Duran, I think, falls into that same camp as Alex Verdugo, where you know that you have a decent player. He's much younger than Verdugo, and there's still a lot of time. Um, but I shouldn't say much younger. I mean, all in their 20s. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it's a matter of hoping that things work out. And I think that's the, is that the narrative for this year? Just hoping things work out. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I've, anytime somebody's asked me about, you know, my, my thoughts on the, on this Red Sox team this year is that there's a lot of what ifs, yep. there's a lot of things that need to go right. Uh, you know, in, in my mind, I feel like, you know, the rotation, you could take a, a pebble and throw it at a, a glass wall. And like, if that pebble just hits the right spot, you know, a few players get injured, you know, the whole, the whole team just goes crashing down. But w- with Duran, we've been very harsh on Duran uh, on this podcast, just for, for how he, he acted last season, uh, the immaturity he exuded, you know, after that whole situation. Um, and it's, it's interesting for me as well, because I, I've been a proponent of, when I saw him in Worcester, completely different player. Yep. I remember play, you play, telling me that playing, playing much looser showed his personality. And, you know, you know, you know, this people who listen to this podcast know this, you know, I have, I have a soft spot when people speak about their mental health struggles. Like we all go through that type of stuff. And it was nice to hear him be mature about that aspect of it. But at the same time, you need to be a professional and you need to act like it outside of the off field stuff. It was nice to see uh, some positive some positivity offensively for him you know he also made some good plays in left field I think that was a plus as well but I I think the real question is here is is are you gonna you know send him down to Worcester to continue to build up his value for potentially uh, another trade partner or are you just gonna stick him on the bench and you know just not really give him the up at bats that he really needs to become a better player and so you know it was nice to see him change his stance but then there's also the whole equation as well like Adam Duvall isn't a 100% center fielder. You know, Kike is the starting shortstop. He's not center field and you can't put Duran in center field. And there's just all these outfielders that like can't play center and aren't defensively good, especially at Fenway Park. So that, that just goes in the whole equation of, you know, why Jaron Duran like really needs to break out, whether it's in Worcester or whether it's in Boston. Headline, headline, Jaron Duran has to play good. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Who, who's saying no to that? Yeah, I agree. Um, but it, it, that's the thing is just like to boil everything down seems like you're simplifying it so much, but it is just like the matter of fact of we're now dealing with a Red Sox team of you either sink or swim. And I think yeah. I'm, I'm hoping we see a Bloom this year where at the deadline, he just gets crazy and crazy in a good way where 
all these guys where we keep giving so much time and giving such a, like every fan is like, why are we giving X, Y, and Z such a leash? Right. And I'm hoping it's because once we come to the deadline this year, we really see who is being moved, what assets are being brought in. Um, I mean, like I said, like this, this season is not one where you're going to be buyers at the deadline. It's most likely you're going to be sellers. And if we can bring in some really nice prospects right. where they're going to be coming up within the year or within the next two years, I'm fine by that. That is, I've bought into that. I've bought into like that whole like brain capacity of, this is where we are. This is where we need to be. We're okay with that. We're in like a rebuilding, restructuring. I, I don't even want to say rebuilding, restructuring. I think restructuring is probably the best way to talk about that because people love to say Boston's not, you know, a small market team that can do a rebuild. Um, I don't know. Look at our population size. We're not a big city. We're able to do rebuilding. Um, and, and I feel like as well, like, Hines had three years to evaluate. Like, I think that's a great point that you brought up with the trade deadline and, and like giving guys too much of, of a long leash to show what they really have. You know, Dahlbeck is another guy. Uh, and, you know, there was rumors of him being traded as well. And, you know, I, I think, you know, this is the time when he, when there's, there's been enough time to evaluate. You now need to make moves. You now need to make decisions on who's the true core of the next three to four years. And I, I think as well, you know, um, you know, you brought up the Xander thing, you know, there's two holes in, in the middle infield now, you know, obviously Trevor story uh, come back at some point, but where are you really going to stick them second base or shortstop? And, you know, it's, it's nice that, you know, one thing, you know, not a lot of people bring up Christian Arroyo is somebody that, you know, I'm going to bring up as another breakout candidate. I'm got him off of waivers. And especially with how good of a player he's been since the team got him in 2020. I, I, I think it, it, you got to applaud Heim for, for, you know, being able to, you know, see that talent. Obviously he traded for him in the Longoria trade for, with San Francisco when he was with the Rays initially, like I brought it up multiple times, he needs to get away from only getting raised guys. Cause he loves to do that. But especially with a Royal, you didn't, you didn't love Michael Walker, Michael Walker, Rich Hill, <laughs> Tommy Fam. Um, you know, Jake Fryer, Faria, whatever, like all we these guys the Rays, are raised guys. We he love loves, the Rays. He loves them. But, you know, with, with Arroyo, I think especially, you know, not only what he showed in the second half hitting, you know, 329, one, one of the best players in the lineup in that second half when everything was so abysmal uh, down the stretch last year. And especially with what we've seen of him so far in spring training, uh, you know, hitting 311, two homers, eight, eight RBIs. It's, it's, it, I'm feeling confident in Christian Arroyo's first full season, hopefully healthy season uh, in a Red Sox uniform. Yeah. I mean, you t this is like one of the dumbest sayings, sayings in the world, but you take away his injuries is a great ball player. But like, I think, I think Arroyo legitimately has a case where if he can stay healthy, he's giving you 120 games at second base. And that's going to be solid play at second base. Last year, right. he had one of the best fielding percentages until he started, you know, his bout with the IL last year. Mm -hmm um so i'm excited to see what he can do the bat i want to see pick up i know it's spring training i know he's hitting well right now but it's spring training especially with the wbc going on so you know we have to be realistic about that yeah but yeah i mean what do you do if arroyo is lighting the world on fire kike's having himself a good year at shortstop and the outfield doesn't have any woes like what do you do come july or august when you know Trevor story is supposed to return. Like, do you mess up and, that and, flow? Do you like gradually increase them until someone inevitably messes up? And in the, then you in give the words them that of, uh, 
in the words of Heim Bloom, that's a good problem to have. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But that, these are the hypothetical worlds we no, live I, in. I completely agree with you. And, you know, that's, that's the other thing, too, is, you know, I, I feel like you also got to remember with Arroyo, um, even though I don't want, if he is lighting the world on fire, like keep, keep it flowing. You know, don't put him back into the utility role. But, you know, I, I think with Story, you don't throw him right back in to being a full time player, you know, even though you're paying him a buttload of money. You want to make sure that he's going to stay healthy, not only for the rest of 2022, if he does play and, or excuse me, 2023 and 2024, you know, you want to make sure that that arm is as good as possible and make sure that, you know, if you do depend on him being that shortstop, that you're able to give him enough time to be able to work that up. Cause we know obviously the concerns with, you know, story being able to have a good enough arm to sustainably be an everyday shortstop. And I, I feel like with Arroyo, like you got to give him the shot. You know, he he really hasn't truly had the shot. And, you know, people who love to, you know, crap on to crap on the injuries. If if Coven wasn't even a thing, Christian Arroyo would, would have played, you know, over 100 games like the last like three years. He, he's If you look at his injury history, like six of the times he's been out, it's because of COVID. It's like literally crazy. And, you know, if he works out, he doesn't. You know, I, I feel like this is really a time for him to not only show the Red Sox, but the rest of the major league teams is he an everyday player or is he just a bench utility player? Yeah. that'll. I, it's interesting. Cause I feel like the Red Sox always churn out these guys. I mean, you have Steve Pierce, you have Mitch Moreland. Well, Mitch Moreland was less of Michael like Chavis. a utility guy. Yeah. Michael Chavis, but uh, <laughs> Brock Holt. Yeah. But it, it's funny to, we always have these utility guys come through there where, you know, they're bouncing around from team to team. They get picked up by the Red Sox and they kind of find their home mm -hmm. and you know, whether they end up staying here or not, they typically find themselves like a nice cash cow out of it. And sure. hopefully that's something that can happen with Arroyo. And that's something that can keep him here until we inevitably see, you know, Meyer come up. Um, it, who knows? Mm -hmm. And that's the other thing that scares me is when you, when you sent me the topic today of breakout, I, I wasn't sure whether we were, we would be doing prospects or not, but I kind of got the, I kind of got the feeling. I'm glad I got it. Cause it's who's going to break out in 2023. Correct. Yep. Yes. I hope you are enjoying my conversation with Coop Leonard, but I just want to take a second to talk to you about built bar. So the built March madness bracket is here and we know that you have a favorite bar or puff and now's your time to make it count. So go to builtmarchmadness.com to vote for your favorites for me. I'm voting for marshmallow puffs. It's one of the best ones that they have. I'm a big fan of marshmallows. I mean, one thing that honestly relaxes me anytime I go camping, just a nice fire marshmallows with, you know, obviously the nice fire s'mores. So it kind of reminds me a little bit of that. They also do have a s'mores as well, which is delicious. But one thing that, you know, I love about Built Bar is that it's 100% real chocolate. And it's not only good for you, but it also tastes good. It honestly tastes like a candy bar. And when you vote for your favorite bar or puff, you will be entered into a drawing where 50 lucky Lockdown listeners will get a free box of Built. Not only that, but one Lockdown fan will actually win a 12-month subscription to Built to have Built's best bars or puffs delivered monthly straight to your door. You got to check out Built. It's one of the best protein bars out there. Seriously, it's unbelievable. It tastes so good. Like I said, a candy bar. And the one thing that I love about Built Bars is that it has low sugar, 100% real chocolate, like I said, with high protein. So run to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff. And also pick up a box while you're there. 
You can vote every day in March. So hop on in and support your pick. Now let's go back into my conversation with Coop Leonard. And that's tough for this team because. I agree. Well, that's, like I, we said, I was looking through the roster and like, like I said, there's the word pressure. Like there's a lot of like pressure on guys to like break out. Like I was looking yeah. through the roster. Like I, I could freaking pick like 15 of these guys. And it's not even the sense of guys, you know, coming up for their first time and having their mm-hmm. cup of coffee and really proving themselves. It's guys like Chris Sale who you haven't seen in years. Yeah. And it's kind of like, well, I guess this is a restart for him. Is he mm-hmm. going to break out? Yeah. Um, it, it really is just like an entire team of question marks. I think the only guy that you can actually be sure of is Devers at this point. Mm, yep. And even, even him, you're kind of like, well, does he live up to his contract and break out? Uh, so maybe he does have an MVP season. Who knows? He could break out. Uh, but yeah, I, one of the guys that I'm really, um, like I said, on this weird fence of, can he break out is Alfaro. It, yeah. I mean, there's a sense where, he might not even have the opportunity to break out because he just doesn't make the contract. Tapia is in that same situation. We talked, we texted, you'd mentioned him and I think he's going to come up later, but Alfaro so far spring training has shown that he can be a great catcher. He's done a decent job controlling games behind the dish, which I really care about for a catcher, but he's also, he's shown off a little bit of that power along with that flowing hair. Mm -hmm. That gets me excited because there's nothing more fun than a, a catcher that you can trust up at the plate to even if it's, you know, he's not the best contact hitter. He's putting something in the outfield for you to move guys. Once you're collecting bases at the bottom of the order. Um, So maybe he can be that guy. Maybe he can find a 40 man roster spot and, you know, kick around at triple a until he does come up or maybe he even is on the opening day roster. But Alfaro is someone that I do want to see on this lineup. And he's an example of that Heim bloom, Oh, you gave him a little bit of money. You gave him a good amount of money for who he is, but he's also not the worst thing in the world to cut loose financially. And, you know, for, for Tapia, as well as Alfaro, they got four, Sox got four days to figure out what they're going to do with them. So like on, on, on March 25th with both of those guys, they don't add them to the 40 man roster. Then they have the ability to look for other major league opportunities with any team in in the league and so that is one thing that you know you, you don't have a lot of time to make this decision anymore you know you know you've now given all four now that he's back from the wbc now this is really your time to evaluate you know now with wong you know not really being in the equation over the last two weeks or so with the hamstring strain like that gave all four like a really clear open road to like really show why he deserves to be on this opening day roster you know tapia as well but i, I think you know one thing with him, and, you know, anytime the name Alforo comes up, you know, on this podcast or, you know, even on Twitter or whatever, the vibes aspect always, you know, is molded with it. And I'm just going to take that, crumple it up and throw it in the trash. Like, what are you going to do with me for me on the field? Like, that's really all that matters in terms of wins. Yes, I love the clubhouse aspect. That's great. Like the flowing hair. Talked about it enough. But I've loved what he's shown on the field, you know, what, how he's worked with Jason Veritek at trying to improve as a defensive catcher, what he's not only been able to show you contact wise, power wise, the one thing coming into the season, you know, you you saw the numbers where he struck out more than he got on base. That hasn't been the case throughout spring training. Yes, it's spring training, but that's the only sample size that we've seen from him in a Red Sox uniform. So that's how you can really base it off of. And I think the other thing too, is long as options, 
And so I really think it's a no-brainer with him and Tapia that you just add him to the 40-man roster. But then there's the whole, you know, added to the equation. We know what has happened with the 40-man roster over the offseason. Are you finally going to drop a guy like Caleb Ort? Like, are you finally going to make some of these tough decisions? Like, Ryan Brazier doesn't seem to, like, really be giving you any anywhere close to what you ride thought. That, you ride that be. train. I want to. I I will be the conductor on that train to get Brazier out of town. Me and Bradfo, so, we have butted heads over this so much. We, uh, we on this podcast, like Lauren and I have talked so much crap about Brazier. It's it, it's nothing. Everyone against the does. Person. It's I, nothing like, against the person. It's only it's only against that. You are not a major league pitcher, and I don't know why we're acting like you are. And it, it's just you just got to make some of these decisions because you can also bring up the Mondesi, the Rodriguez aspect of them being on the IL. Yes, but you need to make some of these decisions on the forty-man roster, so it's not so much of like, holy crap, we have to trade Matt Barnes, and then we can get a you know forty-man roster spot. Oh, geez, you know we got to trade jo- Josh Taylor. So then, like, there's all these no more question marks. But like, the answer's right in front of you. So the to to paint a picture of like because I feel like everyone is against Brazier um, to play devil's advocate here because Bradfo can't. Um, Bradfo loves to point out that I believe it was the month of September into the end of the season. Uh, he <laughs> yeah. had the best. I want to. I don't know if it was FIP or ERA. Yeah, he I replied on my FIP. tweet with all these freaking like yeah with all these things, and I replied to his tweet with his month by month ERA like, and it's just like yeah, and, I, and, I love you, Rob. I respect you as hell, but like you're wrong. <laughs> so that's the thing is, Rob. Rob is much more of like the most near sample size. Yeah. So if we can take the last month of baseball, that is what Rob sees as the projection for that player's future or potential uh, projection, I should say. Like it's not definitive. Uh, which he's not wrong. I mean, like, if you want to look at the most recent stats, that's that's a fair thing to do. Right. But when you look at the greater sample size and you account for the fact that there's now a goddamn offseason in between when Ryan Brazier was somewhat cooking and when he's actually going to be playing actual games. I mean, yeah, what, that's what did, an issue. Because like, what would you see today? Like, uh, I mean, he showed you right there. Like, nothing's changed. No. And, and, and yeah, it's awesome. He had that one solid trend. But you're hoping that he can keep that trend through an off season. Yeah. Like it, that just makes zero sense to me. It's more likely that he reverts to who he was than, you know, continues this amazing trend of being the third best guy like in a bullpen that can pitch to left-handed hitters. Awesome stat to have, but he's just not cutting the slot. Like he no. shouldn't be on the 40 man. Give yeah, it to Alfaro. Yeah, I, I agree. And you know, I, th- I think the other aspect of the whole bullpen equation is like, like give, give guys, an opportunity like Wyatt Mills, Zach Kelly to truly show what they have. You know what I mean? Like we know who Brazier is. Nick Pavetta is in the same equation. We know who he is. We know like what he's going to give you. He's like, there's just no doubt about it. Like give guys an opportunity. Like they kind of did at the September call-ups, but it's only one month. Like you're not really going to know if this guy's going to be a part of the future. And so, you know, um, I, I think, you know, it, it's a super easy answer for Alforo. And I think he's he's shown you what what you need to know. And um, I think with Connor Wong, you know, yes, you know, he was he was good in Worcester last year. Didn't really give you too much in the majors. Allow him to develop a little bit more. I, I think the other thing with Wong, too, you know, I bring this up anytime his name comes up. He's also he also has the ability to play second base and third base. And, you know, J- Chad Tracy, like down in Worcester, said that they were going to try that a little bit. Did that actually end up panning out? No, because the team called him right up because there was injuries and everything like that. So maybe trying that a little bit, like 
added to his versatility. And, you know, the other thing with Alfaro, too, he can play first base. He can also play DH. So he's not only a catcher. And so, you know, I, I think that also adds to the equation as well for Alfaro. But, um, you know, I, I'm excited to see, you know, what he's able to do. And then, you know, another guy who, you know, has has been a massive leader in the clubhouse thus far uh, ever since Xander left, you know, ever since the spring training started is Kike Hernandez. And, you know, a lot of people forget, especially with all the great publicity that he's had uh, over the last year or so, you know, sort of being semi, you know, the face of the Red Sox, you know, even even at the Winter Classic, like he was the only guy that was there. And, Which you know, it's so bizarre. It is so it bizarre matter. to see Kike. I, and, but yeah, I like that. Like he is a no, good yeah. face of this team. I agree. I, well, I was just going to say, it, it doesn't matter if he only has a one-year contract. Like, he's just embracing it. And I love to see it. But people forget, like, he was awful last year. In the, in the, in the small sample size that he, he was there, you know, he missed 60 games. You know, he had that, you know, uh, you know hip flexor, like the bowl of blood thing, which is, like, freaking disgusting to even think about. But, like, the stats, I mean, before the injury, 51 games, uh, a, a 209 at batting average. After the injury, 42 games, 239. Like, that, that just ain't going to cut it. And, you know, especially now with – I love the cocky talk. I love it. Like, let's see – like, talk to me in October about if I'm a shortstop or not. That's what he said on the Chris Rose rotation. I love it. But, you know, we can talk all about, like, you being a great shortstop, you setting the vibes in the clubhouse. But, like, if you can get anywhere close to the 250 batting average, the 20 home runs, anywhere close to that that you had in 2021, I'd love it. Yeah, I, it's just it's weird. Like, in, I that is the only way to sum up this whole season that we're looking ahead to is it's weird. Just like Devers is technically the most senior or Chris Sale technically, I think, is the most senior yeah. player on this team. Yeah. But you haven't seen him for the last three years. Devers then would be second in command. And he's a literal child um, as much as I love him <laughs> and also doesn't primarily speak English. He loves his and, ice cream, though. Oh. God bless. There was a picture of him today where he was just all smiles in the dugout. Yeah. Like he's living the best life. And he yeah. I'm happy he does because if I can't, he should. Yeah, I agree. But the fact that like we've now defaulted to Kike Hernandez as being our captain on paper, that's wild. But anyone who is tuning in for I don't know, like a third of all games this like last year, and then like any spring training games this year and is paying attention, like it's a no brainer that Kike is, you know, the heart of the team. Mm. Like you understand how he is as a player from when he was as a Dodger. And now with Justin Turner, who is a vet coming in, knowing him, having a great relationship with him and being able to coach him up to be like, Hey, this is how we do things at Fenway park. This is how mm -hmm. we do things as a Red Sox. Now take it and go, because I think right. Justin Turner is going to end up being really the guy at the end of the season that it will be the heartbeat of that clubhouse. I hope you did enjoy my conversation with Coop Leonard. And you're also excited for part two, because we not only talk about our last three breakout candidates, but we also go into other different players that are potential breakout candidates and look more into your Twitter responses. If you want to be a part of those Twitter responses in the future, make sure to follow us over on Twitter. It's LO underscore Red Sox. Also follow myself. It's at Jake Iggy and also my co-host Lauren. It's la 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 three laws Lauren with four R's. But like I said, make sure to check in tomorrow for part two of our conversation. It's a great conversation. Gets you excited about the season. 
as well as informed if you want to learn more about these different players. But but we greatly appreciate everybody tuning into this episode. And thank you so much for making Locked On Red Sox your first listen of every single day. Now make your second listen and check out Locked On Fantasy Baseball. Win your league by listening to Matt and Dom every day as they bring you the best fantasy draft strategies. Find Locked On Fantasy Baseball wherever you get your podcasts and over on YouTube. But we want to thank you so much for tuning in. Hope that you have a great rest of your day. We'll end it how we always end it. Keep the faith. Let's go, Sox. Peace. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.